Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Thursday episode of the show. And we are brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one spot for all the sports wagering action. If you want to get in on the NFL or the college football games, NHL, boxing, UFC, even those Vegas casino games, you got to check them out. They have a newly updated website. And if you sign up today, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BLEAV. That's B L E A V. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and bet online is where the game starts. Kyle, happy Thursday to you. Well, hold on. I already got a bone to pick with you because you said that it was Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino today on the show, and that's not true because we are joined by friend of the program, friend of TDN, and friend of Draft Knicks everywhere, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. And I'm going to pass this mic right to Jim. Jim. We're, uh, we're getting close. How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, good to be back on, guys. Yeah, we're getting close, uh, getting really close. So, no, it's it's uh, it's an exciting time. We're excited to get you guys back down to Mobile. And, and uh, you know, right now we're just, we're just bracing for, uh, you know, a big, big week. Well, I think it's already been somewhat of a big week finding out that Sam Howell is the sixth quarterback as part of the the group down there, joining Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Malik Willis from Liberty, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, Bailey Zappi, Western Kentucky, Carson Strong from Nevada. It looks like a really strong group of uh, of quarterbacks that we're going to see in Mobile. And so I'm sure you are elated to am, add Sam Howell to the mix there. And so, Jim, just your overall thoughts on this group of quarterbacks that uh, we're going to see in a few weeks. Yeah, you know, I think we've had we've obviously had guys like like Josh Allen and Russell Wilson and Baker and uh, Justin Herbert in the game over the last handful of years. But with this class, I think from top to bottom, including Bailey Zappi, I think that, uh, you know, it's as good a quarterback group as the game's probably ever had. Uh, you know, I think the, the you know, the Pickett Ritter. Willis Howell strong group. Um, I think those are five of the top six with Matt Corral being that sixth guy. And I, I hate excluding Bailey from that group because he's had such a great year. I mean, you you break two of Joe Burrow's single season records and you throw for 60 some touchdowns. Um, you're a pretty darn good player. So we're excited to get Zappy uh, Zappy down here too. But yeah, that that top group. I think the the exciting part for for us and for you guys coming down as part of the national media is figuring these guys out. Um, you know, I think if you talk to, you know, people around the league right now, which which we do pretty much on a daily basis here, uh, they're going to have a different order of those of the five of those, you know, that top five group. I mean, you in, in, in with Matt Corral, you kind of uh, depending on what team you're talking to, they're going to have a different order. Uh, so so to see those guys down here, you know, throwing one after another and, uh, you know, just again, interviews, everything like that. I think uh, it's going to be a big stacking week for the league in terms of where that where that group shakes out. Jim, this um, this quarterback class in general, as you said, opinions across the league are, are pretty staggered 
How exciting is it for you in what feels like a wide open year for quarterbacks to have the vast majority of contenders of first round guys all in the same place at the same time? And can you remember a similar environment for a quarterback class is what, what you have coming in right now? No, it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's going to quarterbacks drive the bus. I've learned that, (laughs) you know, in this, in this role the last few years and, and doing the work that I've done with ESPN. I mean, that's what people want to talk about. I, I really wasn't aware of that working in the league. You don't really concern yourself with those things, but, uh, no, it's a big concern now. So, um, yeah, to get these guys, you know, Carson Strong and, and Sam Hall were both juniors. So again, it was one of those things that we knew that going into the year that they, we're on track to graduate. Now you just, you know, you get through the fall and you kind of have your fingers crossed that they actually take care of their business in the classroom so we can get them. Um, but no, it should, it should be a lot of fun for the, for the league and for you guys to, to be down here and evaluate those guys. And no, I, I can't remember another group. I've kind of, I've went back into some old media guides we have here in the office, just trying to look at different quarterback classes. And I don't remember a group, um, that going into our week um, stacks up like these guys. And, and again, we might not have, you know, a Justin Herbert um, in this group. You know, it, only time will tell how high these guys climb. And it's not last year's group where I think, you know, the top four guys were pretty much locked into the top 15. I think Mac Jones probably played his way up to 15 over the course of the pre-draft process. But I think these guys collectively as a group are somewhere in that mid one to, to sec- you know, end of the second round range you know, a mid-second round, mid-one to mid-two. Um, and that's the fun part of the process is just seeing where it all ends up in April. So, Jim, I want to sneak one more quarterback question in here, and it's about Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pitt, who just had a tremendous season, and I had so much fun doing his final evaluation and presenting him to our staff. But every time I talk about Kenny Pickett or I tweet about Kenny Pickett, the response is always about the hand size. And so I'm not asking you – to confirm his hand size, but what can you tell us about hand size and quarterback evaluation? And obviously this is going to be a big moment for him throwing an NFL football, you know, in front of the entire NFL. And that's going to be a big test, I guess, but can you just give us some thoughts on hand size and in quarterbacks and maybe how that ties into Kenny Pickett? Yeah. I mean, not particular to Kenny, just more big picture. It's, it's just a, it's just another thing that the NFL feels like they need to do more homework on, you know, a lot, something came out yesterday where the league isn't going to give the Wonderlick test anymore. And again, in all my years in the league, like a low Wonderlick score, like we didn't flag a guy as a dummy, uh, you know, and, and there's just been so many times over the years where we've had low Wonderlick scores where you put on the tape and the and football makes sense to the guy and he's a smart football player. Um, or conversely, I, I, there's been a number of guys that score 30 plus on the Wonderlick and, you know, you get them to your team and you can only keep them at one spot and it, football doesn't make great sense to them. So, you know, even anything, whether it's any measurable, any test, um, it's really just a way it's like a system of checks and balances for you. So I know what teams will do with, with any quarterback with a hand size. You know, they'll go back, they'll try to find inclement weather games, um, you know, cold weather games, things of that nature. Um, any times where he's got to like, you know, pump the ball or regrip the ball. Um, so that's the things that stuff that the teams are going to be looking at. But again, you watch Kenny's tape from this year. I mean, I, I didn't see any evidence that that's going to be a hindrance to him moving forward. And, uh, like you said, he was a really fun evaluation because a year ago when we invited him, you know, we had a fourth round grade on Kenny. I think the consensus in the league was fourth or fifth. 
um, pretty much. And so see, to see a guy really vault himself up in the first round, I haven't talked to any teams that don't have him somewhere in that first round mix. Um, I think if you took this class right now, he's, he's probably the top of that group. Um, you know, and now it's, it's going to be fun to see how high Kenny can climb. So I will move the bus away from quarterbacks. Uh, they may dri- drive the conversation, but we got a really good roster and some really good prospects that I want to hopefully pick your brain on a little bit. And the first one, uh, I, I talked to you a couple weeks ago and just kind of messaged you about Jesse Lucetta, the linebacker from Penn State. And really, really fun. Obviously, Ebba Katie, who's also going to be in attendance uh, for the event, is kind of the more popular name on social media. But I wanted to ask you about Jesse Lucetta from, from Penn State and specifically about him. This is a guy who's played stack backer and end man online as scrimmage. Uh, and the opportunities that the event like the Senior Bowl can afford to showcase flexibility from a position standpoint to potentially sell any different number of teams of, hey, we think he can play stack backer. Hey, we think he's a Sam. Or, hey, we think he's a guy who could play with his hand in the dirt. Yeah, um, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, Kyle, you know, Jesse Lucetta, there's a guy in our office that this has been like his favorite guy going back to last spring, uh, you know, like last February, March when he started watching him. Uh, like you said, off the ball, on the line of scrimmage, I think that he's a prototype Sam linebacker in a 4-3 because he does have pass rush ability. I think he can, you know, for three, four teams, uh, you know, he and like Darian Beavers from Cincinnati, I think are really cool players because I think they could play any spot in the three, four. And that's going back to like my time with the Patriots. I mean, I'm used to looking for guys that, that fit that mold. And, and there, there are a few of those guys that can play inside and outside in a three, four. I think Jesse's one of those guys. So yeah, Ebiketti has earned all the praise that he's gotten. He's had a great year, you know, transferring in from Temple and, and really being one of the best players in the big 10 this year. But Jesse's kind of flying under the radar. And uh, I don't think that's going to make I don't think that's going to continue once people see him here in Mobile. Uh, but, yeah, when you reached out about him, I, I, I knew you were onto something because he's a guy we've, we've really liked going back, uh, you know, almost 12 months now. Jim, I want to ask you about Clemson cornerback Mario Goodrich. I uh, I had such a good time watching his tape and, and just seeing how competitive he is and how willing he is to tackle. And then he's very sound in coverage as well. And. You know, the the conversation about these Clemson corners has been about Andrew Booth, and then we were going to figure out who was going to start opposite of him, and it, it, a lot of people thought it could have been Sheridan Jones entering the season. Well, Mario Goodrich kind of been around the program for three years, finally gets his chance to start, earns that starting job, and he's a first-team All-ACC player, and I thought he left no doubt. Like, he absolutely deserved that and elevated himself in such a big way. I mean, your thoughts on Goodrich and, and – uh, do you think it's fair to say that he's probably elevated himself as much as any corner in the nation this year? Yeah, Joe, that's that. I'm glad to bring Mario up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been one of our biggest risers at the cornerback position. Like you said, you know, going into the year, it was, it was even up in the air if he was going to be a starter there at Clemson. So no, I, he's a big, long corner. Like you said, he's competitive, um, you know, bowl game MVP played an incredible game in their, in their bowl game there. And uh, I think he's just scratching the surface. You know, you talk to the, the guys on the staff at Clemson, and he's a guy that when they recruited him, they really thought he had a chance to be a three-and-done guy, an early-out guy. And, um, you know, even Mario will admit, you know, there's, there's you know, just some he, – he got in his own way a little bit early on. And, 
you know, and, and now he's matured and worked through that. And I think he's a really cool story because he, he gutted it out. Um, you know, I think, you know, Davos made it, uh, you know, he said, made some public comments about, you know, this is a guy that could have easily jumped in the portal and, and tried to find another home. And he, you know, he didn't take the easy route. He stuck it out. Um, so, yeah, I think that shows a mental toughness, which that that position group certainly needs at the next level. Jim, uh, I'm looking at the roster and I can't help but notice that Miami of Ohio's Sterling Weatherford is listed as a linebacker on the roster. And I just did his eval earlier this week, and he's obviously played in a lot of spots, whether it was end man on line of scrimmage and some of the sub package stuff, playing linebacker in, in their nickel or playing in the high post. And I just really loved how this dude flew around and smacked guys as a striker uh, whether it was in the run game or in the pass game on anything that was in front of his face. Uh, wanted to hear from you as far as the opportunity for a guy like Weatherford, who was primarily a safety uh, at Miami of Ohio and, and in an all-star environment where that striking isn't really going to be something that's accentuated throughout the course of the week of practice. Um, what What's the biggest thing for him that you think he can come out of this week showcasing to teams because I loved his tape and I know he's perceived as a bit of a tweener because he's six three or so, two fifteen. Um, what's the opportunity here for a guy like this who didn't play on a big stage, but you're going to see this dude in pads and you're going to say, "Oh, okay, yeah, th- this guy's got an NFL build for sure." Yeah, Kyle Sterling Weatherford's a guy that we we identified right out of the shoot week one against Cincinnati. Uh, Andy Dengler, a great NFL scout, great evaluator, kind of saw he and Dominique Robinson that week one against Cincinnati, mm-hmm. um, and and identified those guys as guys we'd want in the game. You know, Sterling, uh, as you touched on, big guy, six three, two twenty. He's going to blow up the combine. This is going to be a forty plus vertical jump guy, probably. So we're talking about a, a unique big athlete. And you said the, the word tweener. Uh, we've had him crossed up on our board between safety and linebacker all year. Uh, and I think that's going to, you know, how he's used down here is going to be greatly determined by the coaching staffs that we announced next week. Um, you know, we always provide input to the coaches when they come down here on, on kind of the position flexibility we see in the player. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, once we get on the field, it's, it's up to those coaches how they want to deploy him. Um, but yeah, I think where Sterling has a chance to impress people um, one, I don't think a lot of director level decision maker type guys got got to see Miami of Ohio this year. So you're going to see a, a lot of guys that are going to be, you know, important in the process with their teams are going to be eyeballing and getting up on Sterling for the first time. Uh, like you said, I think there is going to be some nine on seven stuff that if they play him at linebacker, you're going to see the physicality come out. Um, not so much in a close and strike situation, but more of a short area you know, is he willing to stick his face in against big people type of situation? So, um, yeah, just a really intriguing big athlete. And, you know, the term tweener used to almost carry a negative connotation. And I, I give the NFL a lot of credit. Um, these coaches nowadays are doing a much better job of finding roles for these guys. I think it, it almost makes them more appealing, you know, kind of similar to Jeremy Chin, uh, who came down here a couple of years ago out of Southern Illinois and uh, somehow lasted all the way to the second round. And then, you know, Jeremy was runner-up for Defensive Rookie of the Year last year. So um, I think Sterling is a similar player. I think Jeremy's success will help him. Um, But certainly we see a guy rising coming out of the week. Jim, I definitely want to ask you about Memphis wide receiver Calvin Austin. I mean, this guy's been extremely productive over the last couple of seasons, and then you watch his tape and you realize he's a baller. I mean, this guy just makes plays. And 
you're always going to come back to the size with him. He's a smaller receiver, but we've seen smaller receivers um, make an impact in the NFL. And we've seen teams willing to draft smaller receivers early. And so where do you think Calvin Austin kind of fits into that conversation of big time playmaker explosive, but you know, he's not going to check the boxes in terms of size. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, uh, with Calvin, a couple things. Yeah. If you're going to take a shot on an undersized player, they have to have some, you know, compensating factors. And his is obviously his explosive speed and playmaking ability. Uh, you know, with him, I just, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm more of a size guy. I got, it's a big man's game. So, um, but watching him, you know, watching his tape, he just stood out week after week. He was the focal point of that offense and everyone knew it. And he still, he still found ways to, to make plays. He's good with the ball in his hands. He's sturdy um, for a smaller guy. Again, we're, we're coming off a year where a guy like Tutu Atwell uh, went in the second round as 155 pounds. I mean, Kelvin's got 20 pounds on him. So if, if Tutu Atwell went in the second round, I don't see any reason, you know, why Kelvin couldn't, couldn't go in that range as well because they're very similar speed-wise. I think Kelvin's got uh, more dependable hands mm-hmm. um, and he's 20 pounds heavier. So, uh, yeah, and he's He's a former walk-on. He's uh, you talk to anyone around that Memphis program. He's like their favorite kid that they've, they've had there in the last few years. So, uh, no, he's a, he's an exciting player. Jim, I have to ask if Joe sent his notes over because he can't. He did the presentation on Calvin Austin to our group after he watched him, and he took all of those same talking points about Tutu and the size that he has over Tutu in the draft range. So, did Joe send you an email or what? No, we talked about it before we jumped on this podcast. <laughs> cool. I appreciate it. Listen, you said you you're, 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 you think it's a big man's game, so I want to ask you about some big-bodied pass catchers, specifically this tight end group that you have here. And I'm not sure what your perception of the tight end class is as a whole, but you know our group has kind of evaluated the tight end class, and there's no like shoe-in first-round guys. You know, we got a lot of crowded bodies inside that. Uh, 50 to 125 range on our regional rankings right now. And I look at the names that you have with likely McBride, Cole Turner, Rucker, Jake Ferguson, Bellinger, Calcaterra, uh, Kolar. This is a really deep group. Like how do you, how do you stack this year's tight end group specifically? And how much are you going to enjoy seeing these different types of, of tight ends who win in different kinds of ways, showcasing themselves uh, when everybody's down in Mobile, well, this group doesn't have a Kyle Pitts, um, but but from top to bottom, this is the this is the deepest tight end class I can remember. Uh, you know, I only have three other games to reference it to for the Senior Bowl. Uh, this is a uniquely deep group, like you mentioned. I think there's there's a lot of value in rounds two through four. I think you're going to see a ton of these guys go in the second through the fourth rounds. I, th- I really think Trey McBride right now sticks out to me as a guy that should go in the first round from Colorado State. Um, if I were running a team, I would I would draft Trey up there. I mean, he's a he's going to be a playmaker um, at the next level. He's a, he's a really good player. But yeah, all those names you mentioned, all those guys. I mean, I think they're I think they're in that two through four area. You know, in, in past years, we've struggled to get to six or seven tight ends that we feel really good about getting even being drafted. Whereas I think, I mean, we probably could have went to 12, 12, 13, 14 guys this year that we had firmly draftable grades on. So, um, yeah, it's a unique group, and that's why we went a little deeper. We, You know, we added Greg Dulcich yesterday from UCLA, a junior, um, who reminds me a lot of a guy, Luke Wilson, that we had when I was with the Seahawks. 
um, and had a really good long run there in Seattle. So, uh, you know, Greg's a, another cool pass catcher to, to add to that group. And similar to the quarterback class and that that's a really, you know, in terms of diverse skill sets and, and things they bring to the table. So does this tight end class. You've got big Ys like Kolar and Rucker. Um, then you got guys like pass catchers like Cole Turner and likely and Dulcich and Cusatera. So, um, yeah, really unique group, really deep group. So um, the league is always looking for these guys. I mean, that's feedback from from friends around the league. They'd almost rather see more tight ends than wideouts right now because mm-hmm. wide receivers, they feel like they can find their kind of it's kind of become, become kind of a dime a dozen position, whereas these, you know, big athletic guys are, are, are harder and harder to find. So, yeah, we're, we're pumped up about this group. Jim, you have some massive offensive linemen slated to be in Mobile this year. I mean, just monsters and guys like Darian Kennard and uh, Andrew Sturber and Daniel Falele. I want to ask you about Trevor Penning, this northern Iowa offensive lineman. And I'm going to admit something right now. I haven't watched him play, but I see the buzz. I hear the way that people I respect talk about him. And, you know, I think about him coming from northern Iowa with Spencer Brown. And Spencer Brown has claimed a starting gig as a as a rookie, despite being a third-round pick and having some rawness to his game. And so what's going on there at Northern Iowa with their ability to to get some some NFL-caliber offensive linemen? And what can you tell us about Trevor Penning? Because he sounds really exciting. Yeah, really, when you go back to he and, he and Spencer, I mean, that's got to be the best set of bookend tackles in the history of FCS Division <laughs> I AA football. I can't imagine there's a better pair. I uh, actually went up to Northern Iowa to give Trevor his invite. So that was really cool getting to be around Coach Farley and and their staff, Ryan Clanton, the guys that have done such a great job with Trevor. Uh, but I think, Joe, I think I've read some of your stuff uh, on social media over the course of the fall. Like that Buffalo Bills football team is like a, a, a markedly better team when Spencer Brown's been oh, in the lineup and healthy. Yes, um, critical. And I, I think, I think you've, you've been the one that's pointed that out. You know, so the difference being, I think Spencer was a little bit better athlete than Trevor is, but Trevor is a bigger, stronger man, um, you know, in terms of thickness and girth. Um, so they're a little bit different stylistically in how they fit, but but Trevor is a nasty, nasty, like, in a, he's like an innately physical person. Um, you can just tell when you put on the tape, like, he enjoys that part of the game. He enjoys bullying people. Um you know, what I told Trevor when I was up there is I brought him back to Eric Fisher in that year. It was Luke Jokel, Eric Fisher, and Lane Johnson, you know, and that was a, a draft similar to this. There wasn't, you know, a lot of high-end quarterback talent in that, in that draft, so there was a lot of other position players that factored in that top 10 mix, and you saw all three of those tackles that you're going the top 10 with Fisher going number one out of Central Michigan. And, you know, Eric came to the Senior Bowl that year. Um, I was working for the Chiefs at the time, and we needed tackle help. Um, and ended up taking Eric Fisher in that draft. But, you know, Eric was a, a late one, early two for most teams, and that was because they had a concern about the level of competition coming out of the MAC. And uh, I think right now that's the only question in, in NFL teams' mind about Trevor is they haven't seen him doing it against a lot of NFL people. And, you know, you can make a case. The best player that he's went up against over his time was, was Ellerson Smith in practice the last three years. You know, Ellerson got drafted out of our game last year to the Giants and um, is going to be a good player in the league. I mean, that's probably the best player he's ever went up against. So to come down here and go up against guys like Maje Sanders and Kingsley Enigbari and, and uh, you know, Cam Thomas and Ebiketti and, and Jermaine Johnson – I mean, he's going to be able to prove himself. So I wouldn't put a cap on how high Trevor Penning can go. I think teams that have him in the late first right now, it's 
solely because they just need to see him against NFL caliber people. Jim, I would be remiss here, and this is the last one I have for you. If I didn't bring up the name Jojo Doman from Nebraska, who you told Paige, Paige called me up. She told me, and of course, Paige with her background and being a Husker alumni, uh, she made sure that I dug into Jojo Doman shortly after you and her talked when she was in town ahead of the uh, event this year. And have you had more fun watching a game tape than Doman versus Ohio state this year? Because he was a man possessed in that football. I cannot remember. And the other part of that question is how high do you think the perception for Doman can go when you come out of this game and you go through the draft process and people realize it's a former safety. That's a really good athlete and could do a lot for you in coverage at the linebacker position. Yeah, Kyle. No, he's 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 been again. He brought up Luketa earlier. Doman has been uh, Doman's a favorite of Michael Coe, our DFO. You know, Mike played DB in the league for a long time. Um, Doman, I mean, it's really a staff favorite of ours. And it's it's funny, you know, we just you haven't seen a lot of buzz about JoJo on on draft Twitter and whatnot. Um, even you know, a lot of guys I really respect have him in the later rounds, and we just don't we don't see it that way. He's a he's a you know, 225 pound guy that, that moves around like a 195 pound guy. I mean, he's really a fluid athlete. He can roll. I mean, there's plenty of evidence on tape. This dude can, this dude can really run. He can play in space. He can break down. He can tackle. Um, you know, you always try to play the game in your head as a scout, you know, the comparative game. And we had a guy in the game a couple of years ago, Drew Tranquil from Notre Dame, another guy that's my know, his background. His, his background was as a safety you know, Drew went in the fourth round. Um, he's, you know, he had an ACL a year ago, but Drew's been a good player for, for the Chargers, and he's been a great special teams player. He's now a starter. And if, if Drew Tranquil went in the fourth round, you know, we see Doman as a higher-level player. So to me, to us, we've had him on day two for the last year and a half. Um, so, yeah, just I think down here will open a lot of people's eyes, some of the running back tight end one-on-ones. with the, I think the ease that JoJo will cover those guys, I don't think it's going to be hard for him. Um, I think he's going to wake a lot of people up. Jim, if I had one final question for you, I want to kind of leave it open-ended in the spirit of what you just said about JoJo Doman in terms of guys that are going to be down in Mobile that you haven't seen the buzz that they deserve yet. Is there another player that comes to mind for you that everyone needs to catch up on because they're going to put on a show and we don't want to be late? Uh, yeah, I would say a couple, I'd say Logan Hall, the defensive lineman from Houston is, uh, of all the players I saw live this year, he had the most wow factor to me in terms of the body type. He walked out of the tunnel at Tulane and I was out there as a Thursday night game. There's a lot of NFL scouts there. And we all just looked at each other like, holy cow. <laughs> um, I mean, this dude, this dude is impressive looking, you know, we had his teammate in the game last year, Peyton Turner who went in the first round of the saints and uh, they're not, they're not exactly the same player. I actually think Logan's a little looser of an athlete, but you're talking about a six, six, 275, 280 pound man um, that you can move up and down the front and he's going to be disruptive. So um, I would say, I would say Logan, I would say Maje Sanders at Cincinnati, you know, doesn't have the sack production to back it up, but even Luke fickle said on our roster reveal show on the NFL network the other day, that they, you know, they maybe didn't play him in the right spot. You know, they were playing him as a four eye and, uh, you know, playing him as a tight five. I mean, really not showcasing what Maje can do. 
I think he's going to eat people up in one-on-ones with his first step. I mean, this is this dude's first step is so explosive. And then, you know, the third name I'll throw at you is Tariq Woolen from UTSA. Uh, you know, big 6'3", plus corner, 210 pounds, going to run probably mid to low 4'3". Um, this, again, this is a guy, when we went to give him his invite and I got up on him, he looks big on tape. And then when you get in front of him, you're like, man, like they just don't make guys like this. So I know that I've gotten heads up from, you know, I've gotten texts from a bunch of GMs in the league. When we, when we, when we got to reek, they were like, man, I'm so glad you got him because we can't wait to see him. I think that, uh, I don't think there's any way Tariq Woolen gets out of, out of day two. Um, and to me, he, he, it's not out of the realm of possibility. This guy sneaks into the late first round. I think he's a really talented guy and his best football's ahead of him because he's only played the position for two years being a former wideout. We would expect nothing less than excellent stuff from you, Jim, and that's exactly what we got. We really appreciate your time. We know you're uh, getting up on this event here, and we're all going to be down in town here uh, before we know it. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you, catching up a little bit. Uh, and congratulations on all the hard work you and your staff have done to this point uh, at the cusp of the game here on us uh, just a few weeks. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me back on. Appreciate all you do to, to uh, you know, promote our game and, and uh, put a spotlight on it. So thank you. Can't thank you enough and look forward to seeing you when you get down here to Mobile. Absolutely. And we thank everybody who tuned in for today's episode of the Draft Dudes podcast, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, and for today, Jim Nagy. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope to talk to you again tomorrow. Make it a good one, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.